Good morning. My name is Kevin Jones. I am the administrative director here at Life Church. I have the privilege of speaking today to you guys. I'm glad to have this opportunity. It's been a little while since I've spoken. I'm glad to have a band that brings us um, to the feet of Jesus that well. Um, that definitely helps me to feel more comfortable about what I have to say and what I think God has for us today. So I'm thankful for them to set the stage like that. We have a, a great rest of the service planned. So um, I'm glad you're here with us. If you want to grab a Bible beside you, you can. Um, those are there for the taking if you'd like. You can also open up a tablet or a phone to the YouVersion Bible app. If you are there, you can click on Events and you can click on Life Church, and it'll, you'll be able to pull up exactly all of my notes and um, all the passages that we'll be looking at. We're going to kind of jump through lots of scripture today, so I'd love for you to be able to see it as we go through it. So over the past um, lots of months, since the beginning of the year, we've been studying the book of Acts together as a church. We finished that a few weeks ago. Um, it was cool to see um, all of the ways that God used often unexpected people to build his church. It's cool for me to think back and to see how the building of the church um, through the early years um, has continued on thousands of years later, where God is still using unexpected people to build his church. I think Life Church is a part of that story, which is kind of cool for me that we're now five years old as a church, um, and that in those five years we were able to, to be used by God to bring glory to himself here in Salisbury, Rowan County, um, and even North Carolina and around the world. And I'm excited about us continuing to step into that, for us to continue to be a part of how he's doing that. Um, and so it's cool for me that, that Life Church is still a part of that story of Acts just played further out. Next week, as Brittany and Matt talked about, Blaine Boyd will be here. He's going to expand our ideas of what it looks like for the gospel to be spread around the world. He's a church planner in the Middle East. So that's kind of cool for us to see. Um, we've been talking sort of about what the early church, how that impacts us as a church. And then we're going to get to sort of be expanded a little bit outside of our reaches next week end. And then after that, we're going to be studying First Thessalonians. So we're going to get into a series on First Thessalonians that will, I promise, be shorter than Acts, but it will take us through um, the Advent season. So we'll, that'll kind of take us right up to the start of Advent, which leads us into Christmas time. So that's kind of a, an idea where we're going the rest of the year. So you're probably asking yourself, well, what are we doing today? Like, what is, then what does today look like? Well, that's a good question. I'm glad you asked that. Um, today, we have the opportunity, um, I have the opportunity to lead us into being reminded of why we do anything that we do as a church. Why do we study the book of Acts? Why are we going to be jumping into 1 Thessalonians? Why does it matter that we take time out of a Sunday morning to come together as a church body? Why do we give like we give? Why do we serve like we do? Well, the answer to that and what we're going to hopefully get to today is because we are invited by Jesus to taste and experience all that he has for us. We're invited to step into knowing him more and that we can often get caught up in doing church. We can often get caught up in learning more, and that's a good thing. We can get caught up in sort of what does God have to teach me today. But if we're not experiencing Jesus on a regular basis as individuals and as a church, then everything else we do doesn't really matter, in my opinion. So my invitation for us today is for us to experience Jesus in this time and be reminded of what it is, the core, the cornerstone of who we are as a church and as believers. That's Jesus for us to experience more of him today. If you look at Psalm 34, 8, it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. 2019 
in the South, sort of Christian culture that we live in, it's easy to say, well, Sunday mornings is for church, and Wednesday night or Thursday night or whenever is for life group even, and one Saturday a quarter is for serving the, the needy in our community. And we kind of get in these ruts of doing things because it's sort of what we're supposed to do. And we often do them without con- being connected back to Jesus. So um, my goal, like I said, is for us to, to leave being filled with more of who Jesus is. So the way I was thinking about that over the last several weeks is this, how many of you guys watch cooking shows on Netflix or whatever, right? Like a lot of us do. There's lots of different shows. If you um, look on our Netflix account, all it is, it seems like it's cooking shows. There's always a new one. Um, and there's, there's, you cannot get enough of those things. Um, so, but the, the, the cool thing about those cooking shows, as you go through and as you watch, like you can learn a lot about how to cook a meal. You can learn a lot about techniques and you can see all kind of different people from all over the world do all kind of crazy things with food. Some of them are crazy and kind of exotic and like I don't know what any of those ingredients taste like. I don't know what any of this is going to come together as, um, but I'm still interested and I still want to know and it sort of leaves me wanting to try it. And then there's the other ones that are super familiar. You know, it's the, the diners driving and dives, the roadside shack, eating a burger. Those are the ones that sort of really get me hungry, right? Like you guys have been there. Like you watch them and you're like, man, I'm just getting hungry all of a sudden, right? And so in the first service, like, like there's nothing better to me than a, a burger with an egg on it. And I was watching Guy Fieri. I'm not a big Guy Fieri fan, but like he took a bite of this burger and there's this yellow egg running all down his arm. And I'm like, man, I want to try that burger because it makes me so hungry but the the point of that is the more we watch these shows the more we learn about them but they all leave us lacking to some extent because we because we don't then don't have the opportunity at the end of the show and this is where I hope tv goes in the future is at the end of the show you say yes I want to try that and it sort of appears somehow and you can actually partake of that because I but I think there's a correlation between that idea and what we often do as a church where we gather together as a church and we learn about what God's called us to. We learn about scripture and those are good things. We learn about sort of how to live a better life and that's fine. But we leave without partaking of what the whole point of it is. We leave without taking a bite out of that burger. We leave without sampling that thing that's just been prepared for us. So my plan today is to set the table and for us to cook a meal together and then for us to be able to pull a chair up to the table and an invitation be given to, to partake in Jesus. I think if we miss that today and every week as we gather together, that we've somehow missed the point of what God's called us to. He's called us to experience him more and more. And I think, it, I think that's, that's what I hope that we get to do today. That's what I need today. So Ephesians chapter one, we've been studying the book of Ephesians as a life group. Um, the second part of that has a, a line in it. We'll read together. And that's my prayer for my group. And it's my prayer for our church. Um, let's, let's read that first. I mean, Ephesians 1, 17 and 18 say that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. And it goes on from there. But that key, that part of first part of 18, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened is what I want us for us today. Often we think about, I mean, our eyes tell our brain what we're looking at, right? They give, feed us information. But I love that this doesn't say have your eyes opened. 
It says the eyes of your heart enlightened. And so that's what I want our hearts to be engaged today. I don't want us just to learn more information, to be given more stuff for our heads. I want our heads engaged today, but I want our hearts to feel something. I want us to, the eyes of our hearts to be enlightened to who Jesus is today. Let me pray for us, and then we'll kind of dive into that. Lord, thank you for the opportunity we have to come together this morning. Thank you for um, the ability for us to come and worship you and to partake in communion together and to study your word. Um, But Lord, thank you more than that for being present with us and letting us experience more of who you are. So Lord, I pray that you open the eyes of our hearts and enlighten us. Lord, enlighten our hearts to what you have for us today. Thank you for um, all that Jesus is and for letting us focus on him this morning. So in your name we pray, amen. So if someone asks you to describe Jesus or to like, tell me about who this guy is, Jesus, how would you do it? I want you to think about that for a minute this morning. If you have, I want you to get a mental picture of all that Jesus is, not necessarily how he looks, but like, what, how, who is he to you? What, what roles does he serve in your life? I want you to think about that. I've been asking people last several weeks sort of for their answer to that question, and, and I've gotten a lot of good answers. So we're going to go through some of, some of those roles that Jesus fills for us, um, and we're going to talk about, about lots of those, hopefully to stir something in each of us about all that Jesus is, um, but then ultimately to sort of let us see a b- more broad picture of all that Jesus does. So the first one that sort of lots of people told me was that Jesus is a teacher. We all have seen that, right? We, if you grew up in church, you, you know, see Jesus teaching throughout the New Testament. There's the, the Bible is lots of what Jesus had to, to say. Um, there's no doubt that he was a great teacher. Uh, Matthew 4, 23 says, And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And then later in Matthew, in chapter 7, 28 and 29, says, And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. So there's no doubt that Jesus was a great teacher and that Jesus taught with lots of authority. Um, I like thinking of that. I like that we still have the words of Jesus that we can learn from, that those can impact us on a day-to-day basis and those can give us sort of a, a direction in how to move our lives forward. But Jesus only as a teacher is selling him short. Jesus was so much more than that. Well, what else, what else was he? Well, I think Jesus was also a shepherd. <clears throat> we often see pictures growing up. I remember seeing pictures, the first pictures of Jesus, which probably looked nothing like Jesus, but those first pictures often had Jesus sort of holding a staff, right, as the shepherd. <clears throat> it's something that we don't think about a lot in today's age. I don't know of anybody that's actively a shepherd for a living, um, but the, this idea that Jesus was a shepherd, that he watched over his flock and cared for him, can go unnoticed sometimes um, to us. But I think there's a lot of truth there and a lot of value can be gained from us seeing Jesus that way. Later in the service, um, we're going to sing Reckless Love. And that song, it talks about Jesus leaving the 99 to go save the one lost sheep. So Jesus was no doubt a shepherd. John 10.10 10 is a familiar verse. And it says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. But then it goes on into verse 11. It says, I am the good shepherd. This is Jesus talking. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And then he kind of compares this to someone who's not a good shepherd. He says, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, 
who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Now that it contrasts, he goes back to himself and says, But I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. That's the view of Jesus as a shepherd that I love. That he knows us and that we know him, and he lays down his life for us. Jesus was a caring shepherd. And I love thinking about him that way. But if we only think about Jesus as a shepherd, I think it's selling him short. I think Jesus was so much more than that. Well, what else was he? Jesus was a comforter. There's no doubt that we often lean on and go to Jesus when we need comforting. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5, and listen to how much comfort is a part of this passage, says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. So no doubt Jesus was a comforter. Jesus is a comforter. So my wife has been kind of keeping me updated on an Instagram um, series of posts that have been, been going on. Um, some of you may have, have seen this story. Um, seven-year-old Ava Love is um, struggling for her life currently. It's a couple weeks ago, she was a perfectly healthy seven-year-old, <clears throat> was riding on a golf cart, nothing crazy, but just kind of fell off the golf cart. <clears throat> well, must have hit her head, some, some stuff's going on, so she has been unresponsive in that time since then. So her parents have been sort of keeping the world, or at least the Instagram world, that are following it up to date with where they are and what's going on with her life. She's shown some progress recently, so that's a positive thing. But in what has been an extremely helpless situation for those parents, and parents like me, you probably have um, tried not to do this often, but have thought about those sort of circumstances. If, one, if something were to happen with one of our children, how helpless that feeling must be. But they're helpless, but they're not hopeless. And that hope that they have there, that Jesus can heal, that Jesus can, can, can step in, uh, Mark 5, 41, the end of it says, little girl, I say to you, arise. And that's what they've been kind of praying over and over and over, over Ava Love um, while she's laying there in the hospital. That bit of hope, I think, come, is what, one of the best ways that Jesus comforts. That's one of the ways that, that Jesus steps in and just is there with us in difficult times. But if we look at Jesus as just a comforter, I think it still sells him short. I think he has so much more to offer than that besides just comforting us. So we talked about him being a, a teacher, a shepherd, and a comforter. What else was Jesus? Well, somebody told me that Jesus was a revolutionary, and I like that idea. It's sort of outside of the normal box for what we put Jesus in. But I think Jesus came to push us out of our comfort zones. There's no doubt that Jesus was a rebel as he lived his life. Um, It doesn't take long reading through the Gospels to see that Jesus did not come to solidify the views of the religious. He came to tear down walls and care for the least of these. I love that idea of Jesus. We often miss that mark, I think, in our culture and in our world, even in our churches. We use Jesus as a defender of the things that we've sort of clung to, whether it's racism or um, bigotry or being closed-minded or even just being a jerk. We often use that, well, but Jesus kind of told us this, this, and this. And I think we miss that. I think Jesus came to tear down some of those stereotypes, to, to change the mind 
of the religious. I think Jesus is still doing that. He loved everyone unconditionally, except for possibly those that felt like they knew all the answers. Um, But Jesus as a revolutionary, I think, misses the mark um, to some extent. I think that doesn't miss the mark, but it's not a complete picture of who he is. All right, so what else is Jesus? Well, we've talked about it a little bit, but um, I think Jesus was a healer. I think Jesus is the greatest, was and is the greatest healer ever. Often, whenever our life group or people that we know will send us a message, hey, I need you to be praying for this, it's often for healing, whether it's for them or their family member or for somebody they work with. Those are the times we often most easily go to the feet of Jesus. It's, Jesus, I need you to heal this. I need you to step in and, and be with this surgery or this somebody's facing cancer. <clears throat> Jesus' healing often went hand in hand with him as a teacher. Matthew 4, um, we read the first part, and he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. Then it goes on and says, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. Jesus is a fantastic healer. One of my favorite stories in the New Testament is the, the story of the friends who are trying to heal their, their, their buddy. Right? And they know that Jesus is, is the way they can do that, but yet they can't get him close enough to Jesus. The crowds around him are too large. So they wait, he's in a house, they go on top of the roof of the house, and they cut a hole in the roof, and they lower him down. Like, that's a crazy story. Um, but I love it because it shows that their, their belief that Jesus is a healer. I wonder if we see Jesus enough as a healer that we'd be willing to do the same thing. So you know what? Forget about the house. Forget about the crowds. We're getting in front of Jesus. I hope we would, but often, I often don't know if we see him that way. But Jesus was definitely and is definitely a healer. But, once again, I think that sells it short. I think Jesus has so much more to offer than just being a healer. Well, what else is Jesus? Jesus was the greatest king ever to live. Now, not in the way we often see. Jesus wasn't a king that welded his, wielded, Steve, welded, wielded, his power and authority um, over people like we often see in movies and on TV he wasn't the dictator. Made no doubt he had all the power and all the authority, but yet he didn't, he didn't use it that way. Whenever the angel came to Mary to proclaim the coming of Jesus in Luke 1, the angel said, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. I love that Jesus' kingdom will never end. The idea that Jesus is our king should give us a comfort and a peace and an ability to to, um, purposely submit to his authority in our lives. And that should give us an ability to take steps boldly forward, knowing that we are under the reign of a loving and gracious and and kind um, king. But, like we've said, even just Jesus as a king, I think, sells him short. I think it leaves us missing something. I think there's more to the person of Jesus than just being a king. Jesus was also a chain breaker. And I love this idea of him. Zach Williams sang the song Chain Breaker um, out recently. 
Um, and it's a great song, but I, I love the idea that Jesus breaks our chains. So I jog pretty regularly. It's something I enjoy, kind of clears my head and um, lets me think. But there's often dogs that we encounter as we run. So I try to run with people a little bit slower than me, where I know that I can outrun them if I need to. Um, but that's not always the case. But typically, we'll see a dog or we'll hear a dog. It'll come out of nowhere. It always happens. You're just least expecting it. And it's usually gigantic and usually foaming at the mouth and has giant teeth. And it gets about right here before the chain that's around its neck yanks it back into the yard or whatever. And I got to tell you, that makes me run a whole lot faster and gets my heart rate up a whole lot. But there is nothing that I'm more thankful for than the chains around those dogs' neck. Likewise, for us, the chains around our neck, not thankful for at all, but they prevent us from being free. They prevent us from doing the things that, meet, that we are called to do. And often we don't even recognize that we have them around our necks. Just like the dog, when it's running and lunging after us, it's not thinking about the chain. It's not thinking it. It's thinking, I'm about to get me a meal. And, and, but the chain is often what keeps it in the mess and in the muck and in the dirt and the mud that it's living in because it can't break free. We sang before um, I came up, um, I am set free. And it talked about being set free and being able to walk in freedom. Well, we can't do that when we have chains holding us back. When the chains of sin and the chains of guilt and the chains of shame and the chains of regret and all these other chains are around our necks and it, they, keep, they prevent us from walking in freedom. Well, Jesus came to break those chains free. He came to give us freedom that we can't do on our own. On our own, we can't get outside of the authority that those chains have on us. We may be able to walk around a little bit as long as we don't walk around the tree too many times and get, you know, caught up like the dogs do. Um, but we get kind of, we have some freedom, but we don't have, we're, but we're not free. We may have the ability to do some of the things that we want, but we can't be free until we've broken those chains. So Jesus was a chain breaker. Romans 8, 1 and 2 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. We are set free because we've had our chains broken by Jesus. It doesn't mean we don't still struggle with sin. We don't still struggle with regret and with shame and with guilt. But, we're, but Jesus came to break those chains. <clears throat> but even then... That's not a full picture of who Jesus is. That leaves something short. That sells him short. <clears throat> well, Jesus was also our Savior. <clears throat> he came and he lived a perfect life. He died on the cross for our sins. He took all of the stuff that separates us from God and took those, put them to death. He rose from the dead, showing his power and authority over death. <clears throat> and now he, he reigns as the king forever and ever. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That is, allows us to be saved from the, the deficit that we have in our relationship with God. That allows us to become children of God. That's the good news of the gospel. That's something we ought to celebrate. Jesus is our Savior. Now, we often live as comfortable, middle-class Americans, if I'm being honest, that often don't recognize our need for a Savior. I think if we did, we would live drastically different lives, <clears throat> but we don't. We, re- we kind of are good enough at being good enough. We go to church enough. We, go, we serve enough in Life Kids, if that's what it is. We you know, give enough money to whatever it is that we often don't recognize our need for a Savior. 
But Jesus was our, is our Savior. He's invited us into a relationship with God, and he's provided us the way. That's good news. But even then, Jesus is our Savior doesn't tell the complete story. It still lacks in itself. Jesus also came to give us life. We're called Life Church for a reason. The true life is found in relationship with Jesus. Because of his power over death, he's able to give life to us. I love that idea that, that not only are we saved, not only are we healed, not only are we taught, but we're invited to walk with Jesus in new life. But even bringing, being brought to new life, if, if Jesus isn't all of those things, then he is none of those things. But because Jesus is all of these, these, these things, plus more, because he's everything for us, he can then be all of those individual things. So because Jesus is a teacher and a healer and a comforter, he can break our chains. He can save us from our sins. He can invite us into new life. Because he's all of those things, he can be each of those things. So why does this matter? What does it mean for us today? Well, I think there's a couple things. This is kind of where we're going to try to land. I think there's a couple things where how this impacts us. I think because we're children of God, um, Romans 8 says we're also co-heirs of God. I had a friend, he had a license plate, and it said co-heir. And I never understood what that meant until I sort of read Romans 8. Romans 8 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Do you understand that, church, that you're a child of God? And as children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs or co-heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So that's the good news. That's where the good news of the gospel plays itself out in our church and in each of our lives. That Jesus overcame death, defeated the grave, broke chains, healed the hurting, comforted the weak, guided the lost, gave water to the thirsty, filled the hungry, opened the minds of the closed-minded, set free the captives, and brought life to the dead. But in doing those things and in inviting us as co-heirs with him, as children of God, into that, we also get to participate in being a part of that for others as well. So community is something that is my invitation to you today, is as we're partaking in Jesus, I'd like to challenge you to say, who's in my life? Who is, who is pouring into me? Matt talked about it last week, about who we're pouring into, who's pouring into us. It's whenever we're with other people who've had their chains broken, who've been set free, who've been healed, who've been taught by the word of God, who have been comforted by Jesus. When we're with other people that have done that, then, then we experience that. But then likewise, as we experience the bondage of sin released from us, as we experience Jesus as our Savior, as we see him as our ultimate king, we can then invite others to join us in that as well. That's where our life group becomes so important. That's where accountability with other, other believers, people that are pressing us to be better, the people that we're encouraging to be better, as we're spending that time with others, as we're coming together as a body on Sunday mornings and outside of this and serving things like Power Cross this Thursday night and able to, to serve our community and the world outside of us, then we get to walk with Jesus, not because of our own, not because of anything we've done on our own, but because of what he's done, we get to walk beside him and step into this awesome spot that we have as children of God 
to be a part of all of those things that Jesus is. Because of what Jesus has done for us, we get to then participate in breaking chains and healing the hurting, comforting the weak, guiding the lost, giving water to the thirsty, filling the hungry, opening the minds of the closed-minded, setting captives free and bringing life to the dead. We're not only changed people, but we get to be a part of other people being changed as well. So to go back to our analogy from the beginning of the watching the cooking shows, like we have the opportunity each and every week, we have the opportunity each and every day to learn more about who Jesus is. But we also have the opportunity to experience him on a daily basis. So my challenge to you is, are you experiencing who Jesus is? Are you allowing yourself to over and over and over again see more of him and to partake in Jesus? We have the opportunity in a little bit to celebrate communion, not as an opportunity to to taste this thing, but to experience Jesus. Church, don't settle for just learning more and more about who he is. Don't settle for knowing what good food tastes like. Experience it. Don't settle for knowing more of Jesus. Experience him. Don't settle for living out of the past experiences that you had with Jesus that maybe lets you say, he's my savior. Are you continuing to experience him on a day and day basis? Don't settle for anything less than daily experiencing the unending, incomprehensible, outrageous love of Jesus. I think if we do that as a believers, I think it changes lots. I think it changes the way we encounter the world. I think it changes the way that maybe we're, we've been scared of something. I think we're able to step boldly, not as jerks, not as sort of um, outside of, of what, you know, outside of the love that Jesus has for us, but we're able to step into messy situations and provide a light. We're able to step in, in the spots that need healing and, and provide some healing. We're able to step outside of the doors of our church and be a, a powerful influence in our community to push them to Jesus, to show them all that God has called them to be. We get to be a part of people coming to new life in Jesus when we experience all that he has for us. So don't settle for learning more today. Don't settle for um, a message where I got to to learn more about scripture because honestly, I haven't done a very good job of teaching that today. My goal today wasn't to teach you. My goal today was have you experience Jesus. So we're going to have an opportunity here over the next several minutes for us to do just that. So we're going to do two songs. The first song um, Brittany's going to sing. It's, it's awesome. We're going to just get, I'm going to invite you just to stay where you are, stay seated. Let this song be kind of sung over you as you deal with what you need to deal with with Jesus. After that, the elders are going to step to the communion tables and then the, you'll be able to then come and partake in Jesus. There's nothing that we do as a church that lets us experience any more of who Jesus is than sharing communion together. So we have that opportunity this morning. Little details, as always, the back left table, my left, is gluten-free if you need that. Um, you, when you go to the table, you'll take a bread, you'll dip it in the, in the juice, and you'll be able to partake there um, on your own. You can go back to your seat after that. So we're going to sing a song. We're going to then have the band's going to keep playing. You'll see the, the elders come to the tables, and then at that point, you guys, as you feel free, can go to the tables. And then we're going to sing another song after that. So we have a good bit of time here because we don't want to rush this. We don't want to, all right, the message is over. Let's sing a song and be done. We want you to experience Jesus. That's what I need. That's what I think we are called to. And then hopefully then as we go out, we continue to do that over and over and over again. So we think the communion, we think the idea of partaking in Jesus is something that he invites everyone to. 
we think if you don't know Jesus in the way we've talked about, if you don't understand the good news of the gospel, if you don't understand why we have the cross there, or if you do understand it, but you have never invited him to be a part of your life, to have that relationship with you, we would challenge you to do that now. We would love for that to be something that you take seriously and that you sort of step into him as their savior. But otherwise, we invite you to the tables and to partake in who Jesus is. Let me pray for us, and then we'll step into that time. Lord, thank you for the opportunity we have this morning to meet with you here. Thank you for your presence, and thank you for all that you've given us, Lord. I pray now that you continue to speak to us through song, through communion, through fellowship that we have with each other. Thank you for the opportunity we have this morning to talk about your goodness, Lord. You are our creator and so big and so mighty and so strong, Lord, yet you're so close to each of us. You know each of us better than we know ourselves. So I pray that you open the eyes of our hearts now as we experience more of who you are. So in your name we pray, amen.